Have you ever had a tough day? Have you ever been anxious about an upcoming test or performance? Can you imagine how different it might feel if you could first cuddle a fluffy, loving, sweet dog? You may or may not know that science has actually demonstrated that support dogs can help people feel better, be less anxious, and feel more calm during these kinds of activities. In this interview, we spoke with three international school counselors who are leading the charge to implement support dog programs in their schools. This was so much fun talking to Ian Lolly, who's at the International School Nido de Aguida in Santiago, Chile, Jackie Valenzuela, who's at International School Bangkok in Thailand, and Brenda Manfredi, who's at International School of Prague in the Czech Republic. We learned about their programs. We found out about how the dogs interact with their faculty and students, and just the impact that having these support animals at school has had. Wouldn't you love to have a dog at your school? Keep on listening and you can find out more about how this can happen for you. The guiding question for this episode was, what does a support dog program look like at an international school and how might a school set one up? This episode was recorded on August 6, 2023. Sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Educators Going Global podcast. We have such a large group here today, including my two puppies, who are apropos for the topic that we're covering today, which we'll get to in just a second. So let's have some intros here. We have Ian, Brenda, and Jackie. Let's start with you, Ian. Okay. I've always been a school counselor. I started my career in New York City and then moved to Berlin, Germany. And I currently am working in South America, in Santiago, Chile. Hello, and I'm Brenda, and I too have always been a school counselor. I started my career, I worked in um, Eastern Long Island, that's our home, uh, for about 11 years until we jumped off a very big cliff and landed in Bangkok, Thailand. We were there for six years, and then we moved to Hanoi, Vietnam for four years, and now we are located in Prague in the Czech Republic at the International School of Prague, and this is, we're beginning our fourth year. And I'm Jackie, and I originally was a marriage and family therapist for 20 plus years, and then we moved to Bangkok, and I went back to school to be a school counselor, and the first school that I was at was with Brenda in downtown Bangkok for a couple of years, and now I've been at International School Bangkok. This is my 10th year. Wow. So among us, we have covered a good portion of the globe, and there's a lot of experience here. David and I are super excited that this is our most 
spread out group that we've had to date. Love it. It's also the most people we've had on our Zencaster platform at the same time. So we're managing it. We're going to take turns speaking. And thank you all so much for being here in our various time zones. I just love this. We are going to start. I'm going to read a guiding question that we have to encompass the theme for the whole interview. And then we'll get into some sub questions and we'll, as I say, take turns answering them. So here's the guiding question. What does a support dog program look like at an international school and how might a school set one up? So our first question, please tell us how your program started. Hello, puppy. <laughs> how your program started, how you connected with each other and how it works. So let's have Ian, would you answer that first? Sure. So my program started from a student initiative. We had a completed suicide at our school, tragically, and we brought dogs to the campus in order to help the students with emotional support. And then because of that experience, students came up to me and said that, wow, that was so helpful. We should have dogs here more often. And that got me thinking about how to make a program that would support students, but also as I dove deeper into the research, discovered that a lot of support programs don't involve faculty, staff, or, or teachers. So I also wanted it to be a support program for our teachers as well. And so that's sort of where my program came from, is really a student club that then became more and more of a counseling department need. And now we have six dogs working in our school and a club program to support it. And I met the other two counselors here. Brenda is a, is a good friend of my colleague, Robert Kostreski, and he's the one that actually connected us and said, you have to see Brenda. She's doing an amazing dog program. And then I flew to Bangkok to visit one of my dear friends at ISB, and I was introduced to Jackie and just told her a little bit about myself and what I was doing. And my passion project, having my Pause for Positivity club and program. And so that's how I had the pleasure of meeting Jackie as well. Yeah, so oh, it's, it's so nice to hear you say that, Ian. The, the program at ISP started actually before I even started working there because my colleague Christine and I entered ISP in the summer of 2020 during the major COVID crisis globally. And we said to ourselves when we were chatting online how much we hoped we could add both of our dogs to the program even before it happened. Unfortunately, when we arrived to ISP, she came from Chicago and I came from Hanoi. It wasn't too long before ISP shut down for the year. So we really couldn't get anything together. But within that year, Christine, my colleague, she had developed a proposal, a written proposal about bringing her dog Sunday the following year. Because the work that we were doing remotely online, we noticed students falling into deep depression. We noticed a lot of anxiety. We had many of our faculty and staff 
feeling lonely, feeling lost. And we just thought, well, let's try and start this program. Now, fortunately, the Czech Republic holds dogs in high regard. Probably they adore dogs more than the people. So having a dog enter a school is sort of a no-brainer in that country because dogs are welcome everywhere. They're welcome in malls. They're welcome in restaurants. They're welcome on public transportation. Dogs go on holidays with their families. So the entry into having Sunday start as a comfort dog was not an issue at all. There were no legalities. It was just sort of, okay, bring her to school. So Sunday worked the first year, the 21-22 school year, and we just saw lots of success. What I think the main contributor to the success of the program is that the kids post-COVID started to come more to the Student Life Center. It really does attract students. It attracts teachers to come talk to us about their students, about their lives, And then what we did in 22-23 is we just added Brody to the team. And we do look at the dogs as members of our team. As a matter of fact, both dogs are on the cover of the upper school yearbook next to the principal. It's like the principal and the two dogs. So it really wasn't a formal rollout per se. I know many counselors around the globe are looking at the logistics and the legalities of bringing a comfort dog or animal to the school. But for us, there weren't very many roadblocks. So in essence, it was pretty organic. And now it's become a bit more structured where the dogs can be booked by teachers. They're very popular in the elementary classrooms. Certain activities the dogs are invited to. And the nice thing about having more than one dog and I'm sure Ian probably notices this as well, is that dogs have different personalities and certain students prefer the personality of one dog over the other. So Sunday is is much more shy and reserved where Brody is, he's a golden retriever. He's everybody's best friend. He likes to play. He likes to get a little wrestle with the kids. He can go outside. He loves to attend recess He loves to go to sporting events. He has a jersey that he puts on to support ISP. So in essence, our program had been very organic, and now it's moved to a bit more structured program. And Ian did share how we met. I will mention that Robert Kostrowski also worked with Jackie and I at NIST. So it is a very small and wonderful world of counseling globally. So we all know Robert and love him dearly. And at ISB, actually, I first heard about support dogs from Brenda. We were just having a conversation and she told me what she was doing with Brody. And I was like, oh, this sounds amazing. Then Ian came to visit ISB to see a good friend of his. And we had a conversation with one another and he told me about the program at his school. And then that was it for me. I was like, I've got to make this happen. So I went to our deputy head of school who I already knew was supportive. She has a retriever who she's had on campus and is in training. 
that she keeps in her office there and is kind of in the administrative area, but we didn't have a program up and running for our students. So I approached her and asked if I could get something started. And she said, yes, but I don't have it. I do have a dog, but I have a street dog from Bangkok and they're just not really trainable in a way that will work in a school just because of their temperament. And so that was the roadblock for me that I, unlike Ian and Brenda, didn't have my own dog. So fortunately, we have a couple of dog trainers in our neighborhood and they train all of our neighborhood dogs. Honestly, all of the families go to this couple and they've trained loads of dogs. So we met with them, with the wife, and asked her if they had a dog available that they would be willing to bring on campus on a regular basis, and they said yes. So that started the second semester of this past school year, probably around March. Our rollout was a little bit more formal in that we sent letters out to the entire community, just letting them know about the benefits of having a dog program at our school and just backed it up with research that was available. I'm just talking about the benefits and the many ways that dogs could bring positivity into their kids' lives. We also did presentation for the faculty, a slideshow, going over very similar stuff that we sent to parents, just to give them that information before there were dogs on our campus all of a sudden. And then we also sent letters out to all of the students, letting them know that we were going to be rolling out this program. This then gave students and parents and faculty a chance to opt out. We had an opt-out form that was sent to everybody, and then we waited for all of that information to come in. And out of 1,800 students in our school, um, I think we had three or four total opt-out. And the reasons for that, it was related to allergies, because we don't have hypoallergenic dogs. And it was also related to some kids having sinophobia, which is an extreme fear of dogs. So given that information, then I've overseen just making sure that none of those kids come into contact with the dogs other than maybe walking past them in the hallway. But the handler is always with our dog, Charlie, and never leaves his side. And he's super sensitive to when he has a sense of that kids don't want to be around the dog or afraid of the dog or are kind of pulling away. So he never pushes Charlie on anybody and really, really pays attention to the dynamics, which we really appreciate. It's gone really well and we're getting ready to roll out again for this school year. Wow. All your stories, I think, are going to be so valuable. And as we go further in our chat today, we keep painting this picture further and further for other international schools to follow in your footsteps. So I'm going to hold off and asking more procedural questions. We'll get to that in just a little bit. So I'm kind of curious about the origin stories and what your original goal was, and perhaps as the programs have developed, if the goals have changed, if you've seen new opportunities, like that really caught my eye that having the dogs in the student wellness center, the student counseling center, opened the door even more. More students were coming to the office and seeking out conversations, seeking out support. So that's just a value added that really comes to mind. So let's go with what was your goal? Has it changed over time. And let's do the order of Brenda, Jackie, and then Ian. So Brenda, what's your uh, response to that? 
Well, I think my initial goal was to get some help. <laughs> it is a demanding, ever-changing world of student mental health. And, you know, we are we are taught, we have our box of tricks that we pull out as counselors on a daily basis with our students. But working in particular in an upper school, in a high school setting, I found that many students feel that they need to handle things sort of on their own. They're growing, they're maturing. And what I was hoping the dogs would do is to get them back to us, especially after COVID. Because what we did see is we saw many strengths gained in our students during COVID as far as independence and and within their learning, you know, with them being able to troubleshoot on their own. But really what we did see is students not being able to connect with one another in what we would say would be a developmentally appropriate way. And being new to the school and not having made connections with the students, we were meeting our students for the first time through Zoom meetings we felt as though maybe the dogs would bring the students to us and it 100% worked. So that really was the goal. And I didn't necessarily plan for all the other goodness to come from it, which is in many ways, the, the dogs are the most popular faculty members in the entire school. Every single kid knows who these dogs are. We have a roughly a thousand students at ISP. And I'm just overwhelmed. And I would say maybe Ian feels the same way. To have your own dog have a greater purpose than just to be your companion and to see their purpose in life be so much greater is... I wouldn't have put that as a goal, but it certainly is something that I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I think much the same as what Brenda just said, we needed an extra added layer of support for kids. COVID had really, as we all know, it just really had impacted their mental health and definitely their social abilities had kind of gone out the window in some ways, just being able to connect and when I'm with the dog or the dog's in my office or hanging out or whatever, the kids will come in and are much more willing to converse than with me as well, because it's like the dog is that in-between comfort in a way. So I think that's the main thing is that they've added a sense of safety for the kids and then that extra layer of support. And I mean, we've had students who've had panic attacks and just being able to come into the office and sit with the dog. We have a quiet space in our office where kids can kind of be alone and even shut the door if they want to with the dog just to calm down. And they come out a different person, you know, 20 minutes later, just having a chance to pet the dog and just to be with the dog and to be loved unconditionally. That's that's the big thing. And so, and not judged and just to feel safe. So again, like Brenda said, it's just that extra added layer of support. And by far, Charlie is the most popular being on our campus. <laughs> no question. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. So my goal was originally very similar to what everyone said. 
in Chile, we had protests. So our lockdown started actually before COVID, and then we went into another online learning lockdown. So we almost had two years where our students weren't interacting with each other except through technology. And when we came back from that, you know, I just wanted to do something for our community and feeling always as a counselor that you're understaffed. You know, they say the best balance for counselors N plus one, you know, we're always looking for more help. But after a while, I was getting traction on the emotional side, but sort of in a way of, oh, well, isn't that cute having dogs and and much more on the emotional side. And, And I'm actually, my primary job is a university counselor and academic advisor. So I thought, okay, how can I make the brain research that I know to be true that actually dogs do a lot more for the brain in terms of making it ready to learn, decreasing anxiety so students can actually apply to university. So this year I started working with departments who were allowing the dogs to come in before assessments so we could test to see how the dogs were actually increasing student performance on metrics in in math class. So I used the HL and SL math classes in order to see some, and of course it's anecdotal evidence, but we're starting to gather real data on how students feel about taking assessments with dogs in the room. And also, because I teach a course with helping students apply to university through university counseling seminar, bringing the dogs to help students apply to college. And it's amazing how a student who is, you know, going for highly selective universities is just paralyzed by this fear of writing, of, of trying to be their true authentic selves, which is what universities ask, what a, you know, kind of what a ridiculous thing for, for asking a 17-year-old to be their authentic self. But it's amazing when you put a, a dog in their lap or, or a dog next to them and they pet and you say, okay, now think about the things you love in this world. Think about the things you're passionate about. The blocks just disappear. You know, I call the dog sort of magic rapport. Like in counseling, if our job is to build rapport, whether it is we're trying to get the kid unblocked for thinking about their most authentic self to, to relate that to a selective university in the world, or we're just trying to get that block for them to talk, to unpack their emotions. You know, you put a dog in the room and it's like this instantaneous rapport with the counselor because the dog becomes the conduit for that rapport. And those sort of academic metrics were the most interesting for me just because it made everyone listen more. It made the administration listen more. Uh, it made teachers more interested in the program, thinking about it as just not a sort of a social emotional, oh, isn't that cute? But like, this is brain research going on here, people. And just to share my sort of my last story is I never thought that we would be able to start taking data like the nurses now were able to share how few rescue medication pills are particularly panic attack or even pretty agoraphobic kids coming out of lockdown don't need to take their medicine when they interact with dogs. So I'm starting to get some good data with the program, which I think was something that was a big surprise about how much I could actually do in in terms of that element of the program. 
Your stories are making me cry. It's just so beautiful, your motivations and the success that it sounds like you're having and how deeply you clearly care about kids. I'd like to maybe, if anybody would like to delve a little deeper into how you got buy-in from the school, Ian, it sounds like you're talking about data. Uh, it certainly sounds like everybody has buy-in now after the fact. I'm just wondering if there were any perhaps challenges with getting buy-in from admin parents, fellow teachers, probably not students, but hey, who knows? <laughs> so maybe Ian, you can start by answering that one if you have more to say. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm lucky in that Nito is definitely a go ahead and do the idea as a pilot and we'll see how the policy works out later. So that was a huge advantage to me. And also my home culture is much similar to Brenda. Chile is very dog friendly. You can bring your dog to restaurants. And also every time we have a student who interacts with a dog, we ask them the same question. Are you okay with dogs? And their inevitable answer nine times out of 10 is, oh yeah, I have four of them. <laughs> so also having like multiple dogs and pets in Chile is very, like the idea, everyone has pets, everyone has dogs. So it's highly unusual that people are, are sort of against animals or the idea of them not being in the school. But we did have a lot of resistance in our elementary school just around safety and the concern of safety and also our dog's training. So my goal this year is to make sure that the majority of the dogs that come to campus are actually trained as psychiatric support animals. And that level of training, we're asking the school to support that level of training for the majority of our dogs. Now it's a training course and it's online and not all of them will likely pass. So, you know, we're going to have a variety of certification, I think, probably both support animals and psychiatric support animals. But trying to get a formality, I think, was just to, to get a board policy around our program to make sure that it can be, right now, our goal is to make it first grade through 12th grade. There's some laws in Chile that really support that, but before the age of five, there's some medical concerns that you have to have higher level dog training for. So we're not going for that. But those are really our biggest roadblocks, I would say, were one, just about the training and the safety and, and really educating people in our administration, but also on staff. And then also there was a large concern about allergens, which we just took out by saying our dogs have to be either hypoallergenic or low shed short hairs. And then basically the third one that I'm still kind of running up against in terms of roadblocks is just making sure that the more dogs we have, that they don't become sort of a distraction and menagerie. I think <laughs> that's a little bit now of the issue. But the other day I had a family in who is very combative and just very angry with, with the school. And as you know, counselors are usually the lightning rod for that. So this family came in and I said, are you okay with dogs? And they told me we have four, you know, typical response. And I gave dad our little holding, you know, Salchito. We have a little dachshund, gave him that. I had, I had the kid petting Luna and the mom had our little terrier. 
And I just sat with them and said, okay, how are we feeling? You know, how can I help? I understand that, you know, you're struggling. And the dad was just sort of petting the dog and his face just relaxed and the anger went out and he goes, you know, it's okay. I think we're okay. I think we're going to, we're going to stay at Nido. I think the academic plan here for my son is okay. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I just saw it turn around and I was like, okay, have a nice day. Thank you so much for coming in. So, there you go. That's amazing. Thank you, Ian. I love that story. That really, really paints a picture for our audience of some of the many benefits here. Uh, Jackie, how about you go next? Our deputy head of school has a dog that is actually trained, and she brings her dog to school and had been bringing her dog to school. So the dog had been up in our administrative offices. So she was already on board and really wanting for this program to take off. When I went to her, it wasn't really even having to ask. It was, let's go. Let's move forward with this. So with her support, things move very, very quickly. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And then just kind of it multiplied from there. I think when you have someone who's in the top administrative position who's on board, everybody else is on board too in, some, in many ways, right? And then it just, it goes from there. So it was not, that was not difficult at all. It was great. Our initial goal of the program was to bring dogs on campus to better support our students' social-emotional well-being. Post-COVID, again, anxiety, and kids have a lot of anxiety and just are dealing with a lot of things that previously they had not dealt with. So we were hoping with an add-on of therapy dogs from everything that we had read and from what I had heard from Brenda and from Ian, because they started their program before we started ours, we were hoping that they would have a calming effect and a therapeutic effect with our students. And that was it. That was our goal. <laughs> and we have definitely exceeded what our expectations and what our goal was, because I, I just never realized what an impact the dog would have, not just on our kids, but also in adults in our community, teachers, our classified staff, parents, everybody responds to these dogs and is impacted by their presence. So definitely has far exceeded what we thought um, it would be. Thank you. And uh, Brenda? Yeah, what I think I, I want to mention here is a little bit more about the dog than about the school. I know this is probably a bit more of my Czech culture coming out, is that what I've noticed with Brody and with Sunday is that this work that the dog does is demanding on the dog. Sometimes we think that Dogs, especially dogs that are very interested in being around humans, they have this energy level that is that they can go all day. But what I've noticed and what I've been trained to do as a handler is to really monitor the dog and their ability to withstand a full day of care. So I've I make sure that Brody has several breaks throughout the day. He does not nap. Normally a dog of his energy levels and of his size would nap. But I think it's important to understand that just like we get tired in the work that we do, 
the dogs probably get two to three times as exhausted, especially the dogs who are highly empathetic and feel. Brody is a dog that will feel fear. As a matter of fact, we don't even know all the students who are fearful of dogs. We don't have that many. Culturally, we don't have that many. But he knows to not go near them. I don't know how he knows, but he does. He also knows the difference between a student who's exhibiting anxiety as opposed to a student who's exhibiting depressive symptoms, and he acts accordingly. And this does drain his energy levels. So it's very clear that Brody, in particular, can probably only do two, maybe three days a week, but that's stretching it. So I don't see it as a roadblock. I don't see it as a deterrent, but I also just want the community to know that we have to take care of the dogs as well, because some dogs, just like people, are empathetic to high levels. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm usually pouring him into the car because <laughs> he's just drained. And our other comfort dog, Sunday, is I, I would say she has similar characteristics that we as handlers, we do need to be careful not to overschedule them. Thank you for raising that point, because I could see where people might overlook that, especially if they didn't know the dog well and couldn't sense their different moods. And so I really appreciate that you brought that up. Thank you, Brenda. And I really appreciate the different and very specific points that you're bringing up on kind of the lessons that you're learning as you go through this process. And I was a counselor too before I retired. And Ian, it's so true that we are the first person usually that parents go to. And I try to picture many of those difficult meetings with parents or potentially sometimes teachers, if I'd had a dog in the room with me and what a difference that would make. And I wonder if your principals are saying, hey, I need to get one of those dogs too, <laughs> right? Holy cow. Yeah, especially when I tell them that most dog programs that I've researched in the United States actually start with the assistant principal bringing the dog to school. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Big time. All right. Well, let's move on to another question. You've, it's dealing with a community response. You've all covered it to some extent, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What was the community response maybe initially? And then as the program gets going, if you want to add a little bit more depth. So I'm also curious about how maybe during the year when new parents are coming in, I don't know each of your schools, how much you have new parents coming in during the year, but then at the start of the school year, how do you get the word out for new parents? This is our program going forward, and here's just how it works. So, Jackie, why don't we start with you? The community response has been overwhelmingly supportive. Again, we have a few students who are afraid of dogs or allergic, and their parents let us know. But they didn't let us know in a way where we don't want the dogs at school. They never said that. They didn't push back and say, because my child's afraid of dogs or allergic, you shouldn't have dogs at school. They just wanted to inform us and wanted us to be responsible around that and be respectful of what they had asked of us, which has been fine. We've been able to do that. So again, it's it's just been overwhelmingly positive. 
parents have come up to us and told us how much these dogs mean to their kids and what a positive impact they have on their day. We've just started school again. And this weekend, we have a community day. There's a pancake breakfast and we have a bazaar. And then there are also different presentations going on. And one of the presentation will be on our Panther Pups program. And so uh, there'll be an audience and it'll be our community. And we'll be talking about the program with parents and with students. A lot of people who come to this initial kind of get together for our community are new families. They're just wanting to get connected and wanting to know more about ISB. So I think a lot of them will be at that. But then the other way that we'll connect them with the program will be we have another letter going out this week to the whole community, another opt out letter going to the community, another letter going to all of the students. So the same thing we did last year, we'll repeat that again this year, especially for our new folks at school. Thank you for raising the point about some people being afraid of dogs. I've noticed that in some countries, it, it's certainly more prevalent and definitely a concern. Thank you. And uh, Brenda? So I think we do it a bit less formally. We do have a weekly bulletin update that is managed by our advancement team. Our advancement team and our admissions team actually utilize the dogs quite a bit in their marketing of the school. The days in which both Brody and Sunday are at the school, our admissions director will, one of the stops, one of the main stops on their campus tour is to see one of the dogs. She will bring every single family to see the dogs. And that is a nice marketing strategy, but it also is a nice way for new prospective families to understand that the dogs are part of the counseling team and would be available for their students if they would like that. And we always find that to be a nice welcoming opportunity for new families to choose ISP for their children. But we don't have, like Jackie was saying, we don't have a formal letter that goes out. It's publicized more on a weekly basis with our weekly bulletin from our advancement team. For our school, I think it's really similar to Brenda. The school is eager actually to market Nito as having this program. So we've been, you know, on the Instagram Nito Spotlight. When new families are given tours of the school, they bring them to the office to show them the dogs as part of the positive selling point of Nito. And we do have a opt-out form per classes so that if a dog will visit a classroom for either a social emotional lesson, we do have a lesson specifically about how dogs will help your brain learn. And we have our 11th and 12th graders of part of our club go and teach the lesson to elementary school, middle school, and high school students. So whenever we do that, we will send an opt-out form. Whenever I bring the dogs to university counseling class to help the kids apply to college. But we have a law in Chile that was enacted during COVID, actually, that says that anyone who brings a dog to school with the intent to help children is not liable. So this law has really covered us to not need to give out a blanket 
opt-out form for what we call incidental interaction with our support dog. So that means that anyone who comes into the counseling office, we always ask them, are you okay with dogs? And we have a sign that says, you know, dogs are here. But because of the Chilean liability law that protects helpers and helper animals, we don't have as much liability concern as maybe other countries would have. And then also we have a student club and the student club works to get students to sign an individual waiver. So we have many, many students in our school who have individual waivers. And this is our greater community that can come and check a dog out and take it for a walk. So the parent has signed off on the fact that they have a sufficient experience with dogs in order to take our dogs for walks. And one of the elements of our program that I really push as well, that if you check out a dog, you're responsible for picking up its poop, which of course builds a lot of character for my students. And also for my presidents and vice presidents, they love to go out with new students and tell them that, yep, you signed the waiver, you got to clean up after the animal. (laughs) So those are just some elements of our program. So I'm picking up here a wonderful selling point for anyone who was considering adding this program beyond the whole social emotional support piece. Get them on the website, get them in the marketing video and so on. I love that. And it's fantastic that the tour of campus now includes, hey, by the way, (laughs) we have these dogs here. I mean, what a fabulous way to pump the program. Thank you all for describing that. So I'm wondering, it's not just, oh, let's bring the dog to school. Certainly there's a lot of logistical pieces behind it all. Brenda, you mentioned you're the handler. Jack, you said you have a, I wonder, I don't know if it's a hired handler, but you have a handler who takes care of the dog. You know, so I'm wondering who walks the dog and feeds it. And then I'm also kind of wondering, Brenda, you said the dog is only there a few days a week, which I think is is very mindful as far as the program goes. But are they there, you know, all day? Are visits scheduled? Ian, you're talking about signing out the dog for an opportunity to interact. What happens if a bunch of kids descend on the counseling center during lunchtime or recess? So I'm just sort of thinking all these logistical pieces. It might be helpful for people to hear some of these. And let's maybe start with Brenda on this one. Well, the students definitely during lunchtime or during an an open block time do parade down to the, especially the middle schoolers, you know. At age, the middle school, they're stuck between being kids and being, you know, cool high school kids. And so, yeah, they are all in. They're all in. And the good thing is both dogs are very good with crowds. They don't get shy. They kind of expect to be bombarded. Brody will hear the kids outside and he will want to go out there. Mm. If he's in my office taking a rest, he will want to be out there. He actually, I think he feels like I got to go to work. It's I got to get out there right now. What I will say is that in the Czech Republic, one of the obstacles that we have, it's not to the point where it's a concern, but now that they see Brody and they see Sunday, everybody wants to bring their dog to school. Ah, yes. The teachers want to bring their dogs to school. And that is 
lovely and it probably would go over fine culturally but the amount of work that it does take to make sure that the dog is doing the job that it's meant to do i feel would be a very difficult task for a teacher who has a set schedule a schedule that is not flexible a schedule that they're supposed to have students report to a, a scheduled block i think that would be demanding on the teacher and then the students you know well why why can't i just bring my dog to school and unfortunately in this country that is a logical question but it would be a bit of a logistical nightmare to just have dogs roaming around the school so we do have to kind of pull back from that and say there was a process i've actually said to kids you'll have to go talk to the director of operations who actually signed off to say that we could bring the dogs to school because it is a no dog campus there is a sign outside that actually says no dogs so you can't freely just bring your dog into campus but as far as the scheduling that you mentioned audrey all the teachers and all the counselors in particular know that at any time they can come and get the dog i would only say no if i noticed that brody or sunday were in a rest mode i would say well i'll bring him by in about 15 minutes but other than that they are pretty much open uh to go anywhere at any time yeah i'm just imagining <laughs> i know in several schools where i've been there are cats that just kind of live on campus i can just picture you know not that these dogs would necessarily be the type to chase cats but it could really get out of control pretty quickly So the logistics of the program. Charlie comes to school. This year, he'll be coming to school five days a week for half a day each day. So he'll probably be here in the mornings. And we are going to have to share him with the middle and elementary school. So I put together a calendar. And those of us who are kind of overseeing each division with the dog program, will go ahead and put in times each week that we'd like to have Charlie in our division. That'll be new this year, right? Because we didn't share him. The high school didn't share him with anybody last year. So this will be something new that we're going to have to work through if anything comes up, any obstacles come up. But as far as who takes Charlie to the restroom, who gives him water, his handler does. We have water here and we have a bowl here for him. We have a place for him to rest if he wants to. So he oversees that. He makes sure that he takes him out to go to the restroom, kind of halfway through their time here, make sure that he has water because it's very hot where we are all the time. And then if Charlie needs to rest, he just lays on the floor in the counseling center. And kids come in constantly. We have way more students in our office than we ever did. And it's really great. Sometimes we have 20 or 30 kids in here just wanting to get to Charlie and to pet him. And it's not been a problem. Nobody's annoyed. Nobody wants the kids to go away. We want them here. And if it takes a dog to get them to hang out here, then we're thrilled. Myself and my colleague who started the program with our two dogs, Robert and I, both have hypoallergenic dogs. So we started off by saying the dog has to be hypoallergenic. By saying that, it also eliminated anyone bringing their dog to school that wasn't. Simple but brilliant. It's really easy for me to say, sorry, you don't have that. But then we started having hypoallergenic dogs and people had them. So then I really wanted to design 
a job description. So I developed a dog description of the job where the personality, the breed type was all quite specific so that a dog would have to go through an evaluation process. And, And also because a lot of the research says that the best psychiatric support dogs or or support dogs in general actually are part of a family. So that's where I also wanted them to have an owner. One of the things that we're trying to do right now is actually all the dogs that currently work at NIDO, we have six of them, are all linked to international teachers. So our club this year, my vice president and presidents who are, who are 12th graders are trying to leave a legacy. That's a big thing for university is leaving a legacy. So this year, they're going to work with a local partner to try and have Chilean families sponsor dogs, and we train them as psychiatric support animals. And those teachers won't leave Chile. They'll stay here for their whole career so that the program can continue even if I leave or another colleague leaves, because right now they're all attached to international teachers. So that's our really big push this year is to not just train our own dogs to get them certified, which is nice for a variety of reasons, but also to get Chilean families or faculty members to have their own dogs trained so that we can leave this program at NIDO intact when international teachers leave. That's a fantastic idea. That's something that does happen. A teacher comes in, they have an initiative, and then they leave and the initiative dies with their departure. So well thought out. Definitely. Thank you for opening the door to that possibility and to get people thinking about how do you handle if you've got staff bringing their own animals on campus and like everything we do in school, safety comes first, and we need to make sure that we're putting the right procedures in place to see if that can happen. And you got to obviously have that community buy-in, but that's kind of a very interesting option if that could happen in some schools in a very supervised way. All right. So you- Each of you has shared some of the benefits of your programs. I'm wondering if we can just take a minute where you can share really kind of that main, very expected benefit that's come through, but also an unexpected benefit that's just been an extra opportunity for your community. Uh, Let's start with Brenda, and then we'll go to Ian and then Jackie. Well, I certainly didn't ever expect to be coaching with a dog before. And I, I I coached the girls' softball team, and it just happened to be that one of the days of practice, Brody was already at school. And instead of bringing him home and then coming back for practice, I, I basically just hired him as my assistant coach. Um, now, a golden retriever on a softball field is a challenge. Uh, (laughs) However, once the novelty of all the balls being thrown wore off, he actually did a lot for a a young varsity team of girls. He wasn't the mascot because we're the Falcons and he's a dog. So he wasn't the mascot. He was actually somebody who the girls would seek out if they struck out or if they were having a bad game or day, Brody was there for them. So 
I think I didn't expect to ever coach with a dog. He chose the awards at the end of the school year uh, at the awards <laughs> banquet. Every girl was given a dog breed award. So we gave out the Dachshund Award. He gave out the Boxer Award. So he basically took all the personalities of certain dogs and he assimilated them to the girls and how they were as players. And it was a very nice way to get the dog involved in an extracurricular activity. Now I say that after I had said the dog needs a lot of rest. So his day was actually quite extended on Mondays. He had a very long day, but Tuesday is Brody's rest day at home. So I was able to kind of justify him having an extended coaching day on Monday. So that was a nice added benefit to have him be part of our team. Okay. So an expected benefit for me has definitely been the club element to my program. So this year we're really trying, we went from a club of about five kids with a greater community of dog walkers of about 30 students to this year, we're trying to get over a hundred students to be part of our greater community of dog walkers and also having a club of about 15 to 20 on the council and then having our president, vice presidents. And I really, I love to do things with the students because I say, you know, here's all the things we could do. You guys choose where, what direction we're going to go in. So this year, of course, students always want hoodies, right? For their club. You don't have, we're not a real thing unless you have merch. (laughs) So they're, they're going to do a logo competition and these types of things for our club. And that's kind of the way I like to do different issues through counseling is to use the students. It's also easier when you're giving presentations to administration or the board to have students present is always better. It's always harder to say no to, to kids than it is to adults. And when the kid says, Luna helped me apply to college or Luna was the difference between, that's my dog, Luna, was the difference between me getting a six or seven in math, HLAA, then all of a sudden, like everyone's really paying attention to that. And it's not just the counselor saying my dog is really helpful. I think the unexpected, just just a, a short story is we have cleaners in our school and one of the cleaners is clearly neurodivergent and had a lot of difficulty interaction with people. But this woman continued to interact with Luna every day. And I would work with her for about 15 minutes to interact appropriately because she wasn't interacting appropriately with the dog. And Luna was always afraid when she'd come in. Uh, But we worked together for about, oh, six months. And my principal came to me and said, hey, I just wanted to say what you did with that cleaning lady is amazing because I've just seen how she interacts with people change and improve because of you're just taking 15 minutes at the end of your day to, to help the cleaning lady interact with the dog. So it's just a, it was an unexpected thing that happens. And it says that in a lot of research says that the benefits to just people who actually aren't even part of or don't thought of as being part of your main school community can can really benefit. And so I just thought it was really neat that that interaction was recognized by other people outside of the dog interaction. Some of the expected benefits would be that 
We expected that the dogs would be super helpful to our kids who have high levels of anxiety. And that has absolutely been the case. So when we have kids that we know are our kids who struggle with this and they're in need, they just come in or they'll email and say, is Charlie here today? I could really use some Charlie time or we'll bring Charlie to their class or to their advisory. But it just, it really, like you can just almost see this sense of calm wash over them. And as long as they, it's like having, it's having that direct contact with him, petting him, just being able to be close to him, that truly their level of anxiety diminishes. So we expected that, but I think seeing it kind of play out in real time has been lovely. An unexpected benefit, we did, like I say, have pushback from a few people, just people who were really, really afraid of dogs and that we really tried to respect and honor that and never, ever intentionally have the dog around them other than in passing or something like that. I think because of the way we dealt with that and that we were respectful, one of the people who was most not in support of us having this program has actually come to me and said, I really appreciate that you've been respectful of where I'm coming from. And I see you working hard to, you know, let me know when Charlie's going to be around so that I don't unexpectedly kind of walk in when, when he's going to be there. And that has really helped me a lot and it's getting better. And I think that's all I can expect from someone who truly has a, a true, true fear of dogs. But I'm hoping that this year with the continued exposure to Charlie and other dogs that we have here, that it will even continue to change more for this person and that maybe at some point they're going to feel comfortable even petting him. We'll see. But we've, we've made a lot of progress. And that was unexpected because I think initially the reaction to this program by these particular people had been very, very strong against the program. You guys have given me so much to think about, so much information. I'm loving, loving this program. Every school should have one of these. I'd like to know what's next for your specific program. Let's start with Ian and then Brenda and then Jackie. Yeah, so what's next for our program is really getting the board and the whole school, each division, elementary school, middle school, high school, to adopt the same policy and also just ironing out some particularities about our vaccination, making sure the dogs have the correct training and really who kind of pays for all that. Um, so we're really in that stage with our program, really making it formalized in some of the ways that Jackie had to do before launching her program. And then also using our club, really trying to blow that out this year. I'm trying to make it not only a, a club for students who just want to hang out with dogs or learn about you know, lower level animal behavior, but really trying to make it as well at the top end, a mentorship or really even internship for highly selective universities across the world for students who want to get involved in things like neurology or nursing, animal science, vet sciences, so that they can go a little bit deeper with that. And doing field trips this year, I hope to do two field trips, one to a 
pediatric dentistry clinic for people in poverty in Santiago, particularly little children, that uses dogs and having my students experience that and also going to a shelter for abused children who've been removed from their home and they use uh, support dogs in that program. So having my students, you know, get out of the neato bubble, as we call it, and experience some uh, uh, real life Santiago and how dogs are used uh, in other places, particularly with people who have less privilege. Wonderful. Big, big plans at Nido. What about at ISP, Brenda? Yeah, I think, Ian, you have inspired me, my friend, because <laughs> what has really started out at ISP as an extension arm of our own counseling practice by having the dogs at our side, we absolutely should be doing a student group. My thought as I sit here and, and listen to the ideas that Ian has shared and what Jackie has um, when she has branched out to her community, which I know well out there in Michida, is that we have, we started a peer mentorship program where we had our, our IB psychology students want to put into practice a lot of the theoretical work they were doing in class. So we started peer mentorship last year with a group of students and I think I would like to connect the dogs with that program and branch from a, a bit more of an, an umbrella support and having students work with the, what I find is the gift that the dogs bring. And then forming a student group in which that group can utilize the dogs, not just the counselors utilizing the dogs. So I think that's going to be our initiative this year. And I think it would be possible to add a few more dogs to the community. I don't logistically know how to work that because up to this point, ISP has been only the handler, has been the counselor. But I am open to if a, if a group were to be formed and it would to be sort of more formally sanctioned to actually have more handlers with more dogs because there's a there's just a lot of need. I haven't yet Ian incorporated the dogs into the university counseling practice other than celebratory at the end but leading up to the anxieties and leading up to the unknowns the uncertainties that exist usually in grade 11 with our students and families is key and I think we need to expand even more with that as a tool for our community in general. So that's, I think, where we're going to head to this year and sort of moving past the post-COVID need, because we do see students are changing. They're evolving. They are resilient. And at least at ISP in the 22-23 school year, we did see this idea of return to normalcy for many of our students and faculty. So I'll call it, you know, ISP Support Dogs 2.0. I love it. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, so at ISB, the next step will be to have Charlie in all three divisions. So again, he was just with the high school last year. 
But beginning next week, actually, he will visit the high school, middle school, and elementary school on a regular basis. He'll be at school five days a week. And we're just working out a schedule right now amongst the three divisions, so that can happen right away. As well, we are working on gathering funding from our PTA, actually, so that we can train other dogs to be a part of the program. In order for dogs to be on our campus, they would have to have formal training as a therapy dog. And again, we have trainers in our community. So that is the next step. We've had some teachers come forward who, and some faculty, just staff in general, who've come forward who would like their dogs to be a part of the program. So that's our next step, training. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm wondering if you have any final words or other topics that we didn't cover that you'd like to get into? Let's start with Brenda. I think I would just, uh, if anybody wants to sort of see the live action of the dogs at school, Sunday, one of our support dogs, she has an Instagram account. She has over 300 followers. Most of them are the students. And that Instagram account is foxy, F-O-X-Y dot Sunday, like the Sunday that you eat, S-U-N-D-A-E. And that is an Instagram account. You can also follow our ISP Facebook account and an ISP Instagram account. The dogs are featured quite sporadically in, in those accounts. And if anybody has any questions, any educators, parents, students out there who have any questions about our program, my email address is bmanfredi, that's M-A-N-F-R-E-D-I, at isp.cz. And you can email me directly there. Thank you. How about you, Jackie? I can't state enough the impact these dogs have had on our campus and just kind of that organic love and connection that kids have with them. And the change that you just see, you know, we have kids who are anxious or stressed about tests or depressed or feeling isolated socially or kind of whatever. And that's all been amplified by COVID. But I mean, these dogs just bring everybody to just this point of Zen (laughs) and um, happiness. And I watch it with my own eyes on a daily basis. And it's just been really, really powerful. Super grateful. And super grateful to Brenda and Ian for just introducing the idea to me and and our school for allowing us to go ahead and move forward with it. We are so excited about the momentum and the positive feedback that we've received. We've had, you know, I think people are so excited. I think a lot of people in our community are like, can I bring my dog? And we've had to really just say, we're going to have to limit it to this specific training this specific number of dogs, because I think we could end up with a zoo. (laughs) I think think we could end up with, you know, with peacocks, pet peacocks and, you know, somebody's horse. And I mean, we're just like, we've got to, we've got to kind of tame it down a little bit, but it's exciting, right? People are excited. It's not a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Jackie. Let's head to Ian now. Yes. So we are getting an Instagram account in the next week. So I will update everyone on that. We're trying to go for pause, P-A-W-S, four, the number four, and positivity. So we're going to try to get that Instagram account. And if that's already taken, we're going to do neato pause for positivity. So either one of those will be up very shortly. 
And also, as Brenda said, the Neato Instagram account frequently spotlights the dogs. So if you just go to the Neato Instagram account, we have lots of different posts from our dogs, seeing them live. And we actually, our communications department has also produced a promo video that includes the dogs. That's also going to be released on our website soon, within the next month. Thanks so much for making this happen, Audrey and David, and, and just helping to recognize how, what a gift these dogs can be for schools around the globe. It's been a, a true joy to be able to share that and to connect with Ian and Jackie and continue to hopefully find us at ISCA one day, which is the International School Counselors Association at one of the conferences of spreading the word in a workshop form. I think that would be great. I'd bring Brody to that workshop in a second. Me too. The airport package along with my training for psychiatric support animals so I could bring Luna to a conference with me. That's kind of my idea. That's right. I was going to say, great excuse to bring your dog <laughs> to the workshop. So other than just to say, if anybody who's listening out there is considering this, or if you have a thought that this might just be too difficult and I'd love to do it, but I just don't know if it's possible, I would say just give it a shot. Go to your administration, you know, talk it through. I am absolutely available. I'll give my contact information when I'm done speaking here, but I have lots of letters to parents and opt-out forms and information about the benefits of having a therapy dog on your campus. We've done a lot of research at our school and we don't own that. We're happy to share that with any school or anybody who's interested doing this in their school and getting it started. So you can reach out to me at my work email, which is V at isb.ac.th. Thank you for being open to share how people can follow your programs and reach out to you. I suspect that we're going to get a lot of very curious international educators to say, how can we make this happen on our campuses? So thanks for sharing. And just for folks listening right now, those contact links will be in the show notes, so you can check them out there. Yeah, I think we're going to need a follow-up blog post where you guys kind of add in some of your suggestions on setting one of these up, because I can imagine, as David said, we are going to get people flocking to this idea. This is just outstanding. Thanks again so much for being on the show. It was a challenge to set up this interview with people in all these different time zones, but we pulled it off. Way to go, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you to you, Audrey, and to David. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Amazing. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us today on Educators Going Global. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other usual suspects. Please subscribe, like us, and leave a review on Apple and Spotify, and let your teaching friends know about us so we can grow our community. Please reach out at educatorsgoingglobal at gmail.com and join our Facebook group, Educators Going Global, if you have ideas, comments, or wish to share a Going Global story of your own. You can also find us on Instagram at Educators Going Global. Please visit our website as well. 
www.educatorsgoingglobal.com. All our podcast episodes are on there by topic, along with blog posts, Going Global stories, and our ever-growing resource library. For now, this is Audrey and David inviting you to travel, teach, and connect with us.